This is Shai Dotan, Associate Professor of International and Public Law at the University of Copenhagen Faculty of Law at iCourts, the Center of Excellence for International Courts. In this series of podcasts will describe my book, International Judicial Review, When Should International Courts Intervene, published by Cambridge University Press in 2020. Chapter 6, Creating the Right Incentives. It is very easy to think about an international court as facing a state that has to comply or not to comply and face the consequences. But the reality is that in order to understand the actual repercussions of intervention by international courts, it is not enough to think about this bilateral connection between international court and the state. International courts interact with multiple actors at the same time that strategically affect each other. And chapter six gives a simple example, which is how international criminal law works. Imagine the International Criminal Court issuing a, a judgment uh, against uh, individuals involved in a certain conflict. The people that are potential uh, uh, criminals before the ICC, uh, they can be deterred directly by intervention of the International Court, but at the same time, the state can be deterred by the potential of intervention by the ICC and change its practices as a result. And if the state changes its practices, for example, uh, starts to prosecute more people to prevent the ICC from intervening under a piece of convivitality, then potential criminals are also deterred by the state. So you see, moving from a bilateral to a multilateral engagement between several actors that all try to affect each other's incentives changes the picture. Uh, and it leads to results that are often unexpected. What the chapter does, and I'm not going to explain exactly the, the model that, uh, uh, that explains it, it appears in the, in the chapter itself, of course, is show that if the ICC needs to decide between complementarity, uh, which means every step the state takes, if it decides to investigate or to prosecute uh, uh, somebody, basically the ICC will not intervene, Uh, and, and primacy, the rule that was adopted by the International Criminal Tribunals in Yugoslavia and Rwanda, uh, and says that only if there has been a full trial um, that is considered an international trial, the International Criminal Court will not intervene, the choice between complementarity and primacy is not completely intuitive. Uh, in some situations, complementarity is uh, better because it incentivizes the state to act. In other cases, privacy is better because it prevents uh, the state from issuing sham trials that basically shield the person, potential criminal, and prevent the ICC from intervening. The basic idea that appears in the chapter is that when the probability of prosecution by the ICC is low, complementarity is better. And the idea is that it gives the state an incentive to act, the state uh, conducts an investigation, and may deter a potential criminal as a result. When the probability of uh, prosecution is very high, then primacy is better, because then it prevents states from using sham trials, and anyway, there is a possibility to be uh, 
deterred directly by the ICC. The interesting thing about the chapter is that by separating between two types of uh, states, uh, those that are unlikely to conduct some trials, those that are likely to conduct them, um, we can find a rule that perfectly uh, maximizes uh, deterrence condition on the probability of persecution at a certain point. This is a simple example of a larger phenomenon, which is the main reason why this chapter was written. And the larger phenomenon is to say it is not enough to examine the effect that international courts have directly on states under their uh, jurisdiction. One needs to examine how several actors affected by the judgment strategize vis-a-vis -vis each other and create outcomes that are sometimes unexpected. And this was the goal of chapter 6.